Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have songwriter and session bassist, Doug Cahan. Doug and I have written countless songs together over the years, and we always had such a fun time together in the studio that I had to have him on the podcast. You're going to hear his story of growing up in Michigan, stories from the Gibson Miller Band in the 90s, hanging out on Willie Nelson's bus, and stories from songwriting sessions with John Party. I had a great time talking to Doug. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and we'll see you at the end. Just keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. Try not to be bitter. You gotta do it either way. Keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. So when life throws a jab, you gotta duck out of the way. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. So get right into your story. You grew up in Michigan. What was your childhood like? Well, I don't think it was too unusual. I was I was in the suburbs of Detroit. So it was, you know, riding a bike around or uh, uh, playing army or whatever. But when I was real young, there was uh, was like an influx of suburban bands. And so we would uh, hear about or or hear a band in the neighborhood and ride our bikes. I think it's even like there's a movie that has that in it where the bands would set up in their garage, open the garage door, and kids would roll up on their bike and just stare at them. And yeah. the band might only know like three songs and you just watch like, oh man, those real drums. <laughs> so it was that was kind of the introduction to, you know, wanting to be a, a musician and seeing how cool it looked to be standing there with a with a guitar <laughs> now other than those bands who are some of like the bands that are like albums you were listening to that like really made you feel a connection to music growing up well um uh, i had older brothers i have two older brothers so i, I kind of had there was an advantage where my oldest brother actually saw uh jimmy hendrix so he was like uh to me, he was like, hey, man, don't be listening to the monkeys or he's like, listen to, you know, check out Led Zeppelin, man. Check out, you know, Cream. And yeah. so I started listening to that stuff, which led to uh, like uh, Aerosmith and stuff like that, which was just so fun to learn, like start to learn to play and trying to play that stuff because it's it's riff rock. Right. So it, it's really all about learning licks. And so that's, that was a blast. Now, is but actually, I, I started, uh, I started on drums. My, I begged my mom for a drum set. I don't know why, but I wanted to be on drums, but I noticed when I got to the level of being in a garage band, the guys in front were getting more attention. So it was like, no more drums, man. I'm going up front. <laughs> I mean, and now you play bass, and I mean, the drums and bass have such a connection together. Did that help you launching, like, just your rhythm, playing drums and then going to the bass? I think so. That's a good point. Um, I know whenever I would play with someone, especially if I was playing with somebody new, I would kind of get over by the drums and a lot of times just kind of stare at the kick drum and really kind of lock into, like, what's he doing and and try to get that uh, – that thing together where you're, you're playing together and, and, uh, and doing a groove together. Right. 
love that man i i love the, that low end of of music the rhythm the just the propulsion you know for sure now was yeah. it around high school time you started playing in your own bands like around town yeah so uh i was doing like um trying to learn grand funk songs in the basement and nobody was really that good but we we could we could knock out a you know a couple uh maybe a uh a black sabbath song or something or two but then in my junior year of high school i joined a trio it was a keyboard player and a drummer and they were both in concert high school concert band so they were doing completely different music they were playing in like b flat which was a wonder to me you know <laughs> and they were playing you know more sophisticated songs uh singer songwriter carol king or billy joel and so that was really really helpful to go beyond my my three chords on the guitar mm -hmm. and then they convinced me to join the high school concert band and i'm like man i I can't read music. They're like, ah, you'll learn. <laughs> so I, I did. I, I joined uh, the band and played upright, and that was great. That was, that was a blast playing upright, but, and uh, and learning to read music. I, I can't anymore. It's too rusty, but it was a really good, good way to learn some theory, play, broaden my musical horizon instead of just staying in the in the rock and roll vein. For sure. Now, what does that senior year in high school look like for you? Are you already thinking in the back of your mind, like, I'm ready to go to Nashville, take this thing to the next level? Or do you know your parents, are your parents going to make you want to go to school? Take me through that process. Well, Nashville wasn't in the picture then. Um, I didn't really know anything about Nashville. And I, I wasn't real versed in, in, I knew traditional country music, Hank Williams and stuff like that. But um Hi, by the time I was in high school, I went to a year of college and I took all the as many music courses as I could. And when the second year came up, it was going to be uh, all the classes that I had to take. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, I'm already gigging. So <laughs> I I left. But I um, the it was always like, yeah, trying to make it be in a band and and uh, get to the next level. Uh, and then later, after a few, got a couple of record deals, was very fortunate to be get connected with uh, an influential manager, uh, uh, Bob Seeger's manager, Punch Andrews was my manager. So I had a lot of opportunities to, um, to learn and to write and to tour. Uh, and then Nashville came, came later on because of um, a friend here named Blue Miller, who was the, in the Gibson Miller band. I got you. So was that just a decision? Did you want to not be the front man anymore? Or was that just like this opportunity was presented to you that he needed a basis for this band he was working on? Yeah, no, it was, it was, um, I didn't mind not being the front man and, and running around. Mm -hmm. I love playing, especially live. And um, he, Bill, or well, his real name is Bill, but Blue Miller, um, had moved to Nashville and he was a hero of mine because he played with Bob Seeger when he was in high school. And so I remember uh, uh, meeting him and I, I had a cassette of like original songs. And I was like, Hey, uh, can you listen to my songs I made up? 
<laughs> and he was super cool. He he did. And I came back to where he was playing like a week later and he invited me to his house and he kind of mentored me on recording and songwriting. And um, get, he's the reason I got to move to Nashville. He he gave me that opportunity to join the Gibson Miller Band. Now, and at the time, actually, um, before I had ever been here, he was saying, you know, hey, man, you, you need to move to Nashville. It is really great. And I said, man, I, I don't know if I can live in a town that ends in Ville. <laughs> I didn't know how cool Nashville was, man, because I had never been there. So right. when I moved, it was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Yeah. So did you even have the songwriter thing in mind when you're moving to town or you were just going to go in town and play this, go on the road, play bass? Well, I always was trying to write I, I had done that since I was really young because uh you know like uh being a fan of Paul McCartney for instance he was you know would play everything write sing yeah. and uh so I always was trying to do that and when I moved to Nashville though I was writing uh awful songs because I was tr I was thinking you know I if I was going to write a country song it had to be country so I was trying to put things in there like, you know, sawdust on the dance floor and the tailgate of my truck. And it was it was not honest. So when I went back to just writing a song the best I could, uh, then and this making it a country production, I started getting some cuts. Yeah. Now, going back to Gibson Miller Band, what are like, some of your best tour memories on the road with them? I remember even seeing a picture of you and Willie Nelson on the road. Uh, what are some of your best highlights on the road with Gibson Miller? <laughs> yeah, Willie. We went on Willie's bus, and uh, just from the smell of the bus, I don't, I don't remember getting off the bus. <laughs> Super good yeah. guy, man. but it was, there was definitely, he had his own scent. Oh, yeah, he had some good cologne. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> he was smoking those funny cigarettes. Um, uh, yeah, I got to meet him and we opened for him. That was fantastic. Uh, got to meet on a TV show, got to meet and I got a great picture of us with uh, Johnny Cash, which was wow, man. Wow. That's like standing next to Mount Rushmore, standing next to that guy, man. Right. Uh, hey, uh, and, you'd be up there too. You, Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Right. Um, the guy that sweeps their noses. <laughs> dust off their, yeah. Uh, no, those like a lot of those, those people were, uh, were great. Hank Jr. We opened some shows for him and went on stage with him, uh, like on the encore. And he's got his amps, like big marshals, fake leaning, like right up to him. So if you're standing within a 20 foot radius of, of Hank Jr., you're, your skin's going to peel, man, because those amps are loud. Wow. <laughs> He's a real. Yeah. What do you remember about the time period that you guys won ACM Group of the Year? Uh, tell me about uh, when you guys hear about the nomination and then actually winning the award. Yeah, well, that was totally a shock because we were in the category with uh, a band named Blackhawk, which was really successful had big hits and then another band called boy howdy which is jeffrey Steele's band <clears throat> and uh jeffrey Steele is you know still huge writer great singer uh so we thought yeah we we had no chance so when 
we the show when they brought up our category and they announced us nobody got up because we were like what was that us <laughs> so then we we really were in shock and and went up and um and got that award and i remember after getting the award you have to leave like through the backstage and then you have to come around when they're on a commercial before you can go back to your seat you're kind of outside the auditorium and I was walking back to get there and there's a a famous actress named Liza Minnelli. I don't know if you know who that is. So she was out there having a smoke and I just was like, so freaked out that we won. I just went up to her with the award and I go, Hey, Liza, look what we got. And she's like, Hey, that's great. Good for you, buddy. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, man. She was very cool. Everybody was was cool. That was a great night. Big, big party afterwards that night. Were you riding with them on the road too? Like, like in between shows? Like, did you you ride it all with uh, Blue? We did a little bit. Um, I've written with Blue a lot and um, we have, we've done cuts together and I wrote with Dave a little bit, but that dynamic at the time was, really those guys focusing on uh, their writing team. And um, most of the songs on those Gibson Miller records are, are Dave and blue written. So I was kind of newbie. It got to earn my place, you know? For sure. Now, fast forwarding a few years, one of my favorite songs you've written is uh, drinking with me by John party. And I think the story goes, you actually wrote it in the room you're sitting in, right? Yes. So tell yes. me about the day you wrote it. What do you remember about that? So, uh, John came over and the, and the other writer, Britton Cameron, who he had that title and <clears throat> just that title was like, we're, we're off to the races pretty quick. Cause it's like, uh, and it's got that stutter thing. Does anybody want to go drinking with me? And we were, we were plowing. Yeah. <clears throat> want to go, 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 go drinking with me. <laughs> so um, we had a blast writing that. And then, we did the demo you know we've you and i have done a lot of that here yeah uh we when we did the demo we wanted to have uh like uh sounded like it was a bar even for the demo one have people yelling and so my demo i still love that demo oh yeah it's got john and Britton and i just screaming anybody want to go drink with me i do me too (laughs) drunk guys supposedly (laughs) <laughs> at 11 in the morning writing a song in the suburbs do you remember who threw out the word anabotry that's such a cool word uh, yeah um, the, i <clears throat> i don't but i um i don't but it was that's really funny yeah because it's, it's just the uh uh looking for those me rhymes you know right it's went a little outside the box on Right. Now, stepping away, this is something we haven't talked about yet. You're also a really in-demand session bassist in town, uh, playing on the number one records of Justin Moore. And more recently, you played on some big records of Cody Johnson and Travis Denning. Do you have a song you're most proud of in the studio that you've worked on? Well, um, I, I don't know about, I mean, I'm just so grateful always to play because uh, the, the studio experience, even even though I've done it for 20 years, you know, it's really magical. You know, somebody comes in and uh, you have a demo and you listen to it and all of a sudden everybody walks out to their instrument and it just goes boom. 
and it's this amazing song and it, it sounds finished almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, that still gets to me. I mean, it's still amazing magic to me. Um, I remember, uh, I know, I remember one song that with Gibson Miller band, I thought was going to be a big hit that wasn't. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> we did a, a remake of Mama's Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was so it was in a movie with Woody Harrelson and Kiefer Sutherland called The Cowboy Way. Mm -hmm. And Blue came up with this really cool rock version. It was uh, it wasn't six, eight. It was four, four. And I thought it was awesome. But you just never know it. You know, it didn't climb that high in the charts. And I was like, man, that's actually the uh, one of the positive things about songwriting, especially in Nashville and those sorts of things. It's uh, there's no cover charge, you know. So you when you write. You don't know, man, you you could write a stiff or you could write the next honky tonk, badonka donk. Right. <laughs> and uh, everybody really kind of has a shot. There's there's people, you know, that are that have more connections. But uh, that is an enticement, you know, to keep keep trying. For sure. Now, talking about songwriting, we've had the pleasure of writing countless songs together. Are there any favorite songs in our catalog or memories that stick out to you? Our catalog? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I just heard your uh, your mix. Um, <clears throat> And uh, of uh, oh, uh, what, what I forgot, we oh, bad girls, bad girls, yeah, good girls are good, but bad girls are better. That's <laughs> yeah, little stones in there, yeah, ah, that's great, sounds great, man. Uh, love that one. The uh, you know, I listened to was uh, Strangers Again, oh, yeah, that's a really cool. Uh, that guitar and, and just the the lyric content about like time going backwards and we were lovers and now we're strangers again. I like that song a lot. Make a girl cry has always been one of my favorites too. Oh yeah, beautiful, beautiful song. That's a that's a somebody needs to cut that out there. I know. <laughs> Justin's <laughs> can't <laughs> uh, So what a song about songwriters? What's a some mistake you see young songwriters make when they first move to town? I mean, you write with a lot of them when they first move to town. Um, I don't know. I think uh, moving to town right off the bat is a really positive thing because mm -hmm. it's kind of like that saying, you know, must be present to win. You if you're here and you're networking and you're meeting people and meeting other songwriters, new pe new songwriters, going to writers nights, testing out to see if your material gets any reaction. All those things are really positive. Um, you can get, accomplish a lot like like you're doing with your podcast. That's that's great. Um, or any social media. But I think when you're here, um, there's a there's a big benefit to that just in itself, just being here. And then when once you sit down with somebody to write, uh, I think it's always really important to be uh, yourself, to be honest. Like uh, when I first came, I would look at a pitch sheet and it would say, um, uh, "Alan Jackson needs a mid-tempo song, nothing about beer." 
And so you, you know, you do that. That's, that's part of the craft, but maybe in the middle of that, trying to do that, somebody would say, uh, Hey man, how you doing? It's like, well, you know, my grandma died last week. It's like, Oh man, I'm so sorry to hear that. How, how are you doing? It's like, well, I'm, I'm carrying a heavy heart or something. It's like, Oh man, that's a great idea for a song. And then you go that way. And when you're, when you're writing something that's your own truth, um, I think you come up with a really great song. So I would say to young writers, like, don't be afraid to be vulnerable and don't be afraid to express your life because that's, that's your life. It's very unique. And in those unique things, that's where, uh, you know, people connect universally. For sure. You no. got a lot of that, man. You your songs like that, like "Make a Girl Cry" or the song uh, that you wrote for your dad. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, man, you're very good at that. And oh, another thing I guess would be when I think of you is um, come prepared when you write with somebody. You always did. You always had great ideas, uh, melodies too. Just a a good idea of like this is kind of what I want to say and. Uh, and so that makes it uh, a lot easier to to get to get moving and get finished. Well, I appreciate hearing that from you, Doug. That means a lot. No. Oh go- yeah, you, you're doing, man. You're a great writer. Thank you. No, going through your credits, I mean, talking about great writers, this is probably the king. I saw that, like in the people you worked with, you've had the pleasure of working with Craig Wiseman. Was that in a session or a song, uh, like songwriting? What was that? No, I never uh, did any songwriting with Craig. I wish, man. He is. He is amazing. I mean, he's been a number one writer for since before I moved to Nashville. He he's a force of nature. But he uh, I did a lot of his demos for a few years. And uh, some of those his demos were uh, so thorough that some of them actually would just go right to like if he pitched it to an artist like we did a song um, for Chris Jansen record. I can't remember the title of the song, but his demo was so good. They just used that. I think uh, it was on the Everybody album, wasn't it? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Chris oh, Everybody album, yeah. Yeah, so so Craig is, uh, may, I'm a huge fan of uh, his catalog. And uh, he's got a song, one of favorite of mine by Chris Knight. It's called It Ain't Easy Being Me. Yeah. Check that out, man. That's a great song. Do you know uh, Titty's Beer, Montgomery Gentry? <laughs> yes yes now yeah that's my that's one of my favorite craigs it's so clever it's a brand yep. that's <laughs> now, right <laughs> to close out my interview i like to ask what's uh, i mean we already talked on a common mistake you see writers make but what's the piece of advice that you've learned along your journey that you'd want to give to a young artist or producer moving to town wanting to make it wanting to be where you are um just like keep going um when I moved to town, they used to say for songwriters, they, they used to say uh, that Nashville was a 10 year town and that you could expect to grind it out for 10 years before maybe you got a cut or, or a big hit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's true anymore, but um, it really is the thing, you know, the tortoise and the hare. You, if you keep going, you'll just meet people in this circle. Your circle will get smaller and and always, uh, you can always like ask people, like when I've been at sessions as a bass player, I would ask the engineer, man, hey, 
why are you using that Valhalla reverb? Or how do you do your compression for vocals? And everybody has always been guitar players, fellow bass players, like so helpful. Hey man, let me show you this. This You'll like this. And that's a big thing. It's like when you get with people that are further down the road uh, in Nashville, everyone's been great and super helpful it's it's really more camaraderie than competition i'd say well guys there you have it my conversation with doug Cahan. doug thank you again so much for coming on the show i had a great time talking with you everyone go check him out at dougkahan.com and make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with blaine reedy bassist for tyler hubbard check out starting small music on youtube to see all the video content from our interviews and also Follow Starting Small Music on Instagram at Starting Small Music and let us know who you'd like to hear on the show next. And remember, everyone starts small.